1 Corinthians chapter 7. The title of the message is How to Be Content and Single. Um, the, uh, again, we're going to be looking on Sunday at how to be content in general. But tonight we're going to start at verse 17 and we're going to read all the way through the end of the chapter, but with a focus on verses 25 through 40. Let me ask you you don't have to raise your hand, it might be embarrassing. Are you content? Did you walk in today, tonight, content? What would it take for you to be content with your circumstances? What would it take for you to be satisfied with your situation? Maybe you're thinking, well, if I just had a different job, if I just had a little more money, if I just had a different house, if I just had a different spouse, if I just had a spouse, if I could just get married, or maybe some are even thinking, if I had just never gotten married. We've said it before when we were going through the marriage series. Marriage is like a screen door, right? The flies on the inside are desperately trying to get out, and the flies on the outside are desperately trying to get in. You guys know the phrase, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. I read something this week that said, sure, the grass looks greener on the other side of the fence, but won't the water bills be higher? Here's an, a good one. The grass is greener where you water it. Where you put your energy and attention is where you will get more of what you're looking for. We come to a portion of Scripture tonight where really, if you were to look at this, Paul says over and over again, he admonishes us to be content. Content. Look at verse 17. We're not going to spend a lot of time on these first few verses because we're going to come back and really look at them on Sunday. But verse 17 says, But as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. And so I ordain in all the churches. We touched on this at the very end of Sunday. This idea that whatever bed you find yourself in, whether it's a bed of roses or a bed of thorns, whatever bed you find yourself in, bloom there. The grass is greener where you water it. Notice the word there in verse 17 where it says uh, distributed. What that means is God has drawn the boundary lines for each one. He says, so let us walk in the spot that he's given us. God has given you a lane to run in. Stay in the lane that you've been given. Now, obviously, this doesn't mean, because Paul's talking to, to Christians, some of them brand new Christians who were living in this uh, cesspool of immorality in Corinth. He's not saying, look, if you're a prostitute, stay a prostitute, right? That's obvious. But he's saying in general, when you get saved, you don't have to go out and divorce your wife, get a new job, Sell your house. You don't have to necessarily become a monk. You don't have to necessarily go out on the mission field. He says, as the Lord has called each one, the place that you were in when he called you, let him walk. Verse 17 again, he says, and so I ordain in all the churches. The word ordain there means to prescribe. Paul says, look, wherever I go, to any church that I go, this is the prescription I give for contentment. Bloom where you are. Remain where you are and be content. Philippians 4.11 says, Paul said, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. 
There's a quote that says, It is better to want what you have than to have what you want. That's huge. It's better to want what you have than to have what you want. Well, how do we do it? Paul's going to give us the prescription for contentment. And again, we're going to really dig in on Sunday. He gives it to all the churches. He says, so tonight, let it be like Paul walks into our church, Calvary Chapel Little Lakes, and says, here's a prescription for contentment. Here's how to be contented. Now, specifically, again, we're going to look at verses 25 through 40. Really, this is saying how to be content and single. But we all can learn about contentment from Paul's treatise tonight. Look at verse 18. We're going to blow through these verses because we're going to save them. Verse 18, was anyone called while circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Was anyone called while uncircumcised? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. But keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. We're going to see more of that on Sunday. The cliff notes, basically, of these verses 18 through 20 is this. Contentment is not found in comparison to others, but in communion with God. That's true for singles. That's true for everyone. Let's keep moving. Verse 20. Let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can be made free, rather use it. For he who was called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, let each one remain with God in that state in which he was called. The second instruction that Paul gives for a prescription for contentment is this. Contentment does not rely, believe it or not, on outward circumstances. But it relies on inner perspective. We'll look at that on Sunday as well. So what have we got so far? Paul says, don't compare yourselves to others. If you want to be content, you'll never find it when you compare yourself to others. Commune instead with God. Don't focus on outward circumstances, but on your inner perspective. And here's where we're really going to begin to dig in. The third prescription for contentment is this. Don't count your deficits. Count your blessings. Don't take inventory of the stuff you don't have. Don't take inventory of the wish list that you have. No, take inventory of what you already have. Don't count your deficits. Count your blessings. Almost the whole rest of the chapter, Paul's going to be counting the blessings of the singles in Corinth. I asked Philip to get the word out to get as many singles. We don't have a whole bunch of singles in our church, but we have a few. And we have almost all of them here tonight. Because here Paul counts the blessings of being single. Now that's not to denigrate or to say that marriage is not good. But Paul is taking his own prescription here and saying, look, these are some wonderful things about this state that so many people don't think is a good state. He's counting the blessings of being single. Verse 25, he says, now concerning virgins, concerning single people, I have no commandment from the Lord yet. I give judgment as one whom the Lord in his mercy has made trustworthy. In other words, Paul says, look, God did not tell me in so many words. He didn't say, say these exact words. But Paul says, look, I am an apostle. God has made me trustworthy to speak on this. You can trust my view on this. And what he does now, he's going to proceed with an inventory for the single person. 
Count your blessings, he says, not your deficits. What advantages does the single person have? What advantages do you already have? And if you're married tonight, you don't need to shut down and shut off. No, you can also look at this, and we'll probably do that on Sunday. What are the advantages that you have in your own situation? Tonight, last, last Sunday, and a lot of times because we've been talking about marriage, the singles have been kind of left out a little bit, right? They've had to patiently wait while you guys got your medicine. Tonight, the tables are turned. I find five advantages of staying single. And they all start with the word freedom. There's freedom in troubling times. There's freedom from trouble of the married kind. There's freedom to redeem the time. There's freedom from single mind, or excuse me, freedom of single mindedness. That one didn't really rhyme, but the rest of them did. And then the last one, there's freedom to change your mind. See, I'm a poet and I didn't know it. All right, verse 26. Verse 26 says, I suppose, this is Paul speaking to the singles in Corinth, I suppose, therefore, that it is good because of the present distress that it is good for a man to remain as he is. The first advantage that you have to being single is freedom in troubling times. What does Paul mean when he says this present distress? We don't know for sure, but most commentators think that he's talking about the persecution. This is only 10 years before Nero has gone completely mad and really uh, decided to destroy the Christian community. So it's very possible that they were kind of ramping up. So it's, most people think that it's the present distress. He's talking about persecution. Now, presently in our country, we don't have real persecution in this way. But I think we do have present distress. I think every generation has present distress. When I was growing up, the present distress, that thing that like everybody was talking about but nobody wanted to think about too hard was the nuclear arms race with Russia. Today, we have a present distress in Iran, in Iraq. We have a present distress called Al-Qaeda. Most military people, most uh, government people, when you ask them about an attack on America, on American soil, they'll say it's not about if, but when. Pretty much everyone has decided that there is coming a time, whether it's a week from now, a year from now, 10 years from now, there's coming a time when there will be distress. One great advantage to being single is a freedom in troubling times. Now, of course, nobody likes persecution. No one looks forward to persecution. But if you're married, if, you're, if you have a family, I think you would agree with me. It's so much worse when you have a family. I mean, if our land were to be taken over by radical forces that were anti-Christian, if they were allowed to outlaw Christianity, it's one thing to stand up for Jesus when it's only your own head you will lose. It's another thing to have them threaten to rape or kill your wife or your kids. Now, you might think, well, that's, that's a ways off. I belong to the, the Calvary Chapel list server, and 
just in the last few days, a prayer request has come in from New Zealand, a Calvary Chapel pastor in New Zealand. He's like, guys, will you pray for me? It's like in the next two weeks in New Zealand, they are planning to pass legislation that makes it uh, uh, an offense to spank your child so much so that they can remove your children from you like that if they ever hear that you spanked your child. Well, the Bible says to spare the rod is to spoil the child. The Bible says that, the, that him who the father does not discipline, he hates. So this pastor's like, guys, what do I do? What do I do? I mean, do I stand up for what I know to be the truth and risk losing my kids? I mean, do I get out of New Zealand? Or, or do I shut up? What do I do? And in case you're wondering, those laws, there's one that they're looking at in California right now. It's very similar. See, I don't think it'll be the, that distant of a future where pastors will have to come to a decision. They're going to have to decide, am I going to speak the truth and risk losing my kids? If you are single, hear me tonight, you have a certain freedom in troubling times. Moving on. Verse 26, he says, I suppose, therefore, that it is good because of the present distress that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But even if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh. But I would spare you. The second advantage you have as a single, you have freedom in troubling times, but you also have freedom from trouble, the married kind. Now, there's no way around it. Paul's pretty much saying, look, if you get married, there'll be trouble involved. Now, I think every married person in this room would, well, yeah, there's trouble involved with marriage. Granted, it's just a different kind of trouble than you have when you're single, but it is a different kind of trouble. Again, be honest, married couples, sometimes marriage can be a lot of trouble. Let me put it a different way. How about this? It can be a lot of trouble to maintain a marriage the right way. Husbands, for instance, there's the trouble that comes when she says, does this make me look fat? Wives, there's the trouble that comes when he says, what, do I look stupid? <laughs> We've described marriage over the last couple of weeks as super glue, right? The, the joining together of two organisms to become one inseparable organism. What do you get when you super glue two living organisms? Trouble. What do you get when you put a dog and a cat in a burlap bag? The fur is going to fly for a while until those two learn how to live together, learn how to submit to one another, to give up their selfishness. Until that time, you will have trouble with a capital T, and that rhymes with G, and that stands for glue. I don't think I'm giving any, away any secrets. Lisa and I had trouble for the first year or so. But it was worth it. 
At least that's what she tells me. No, I'm just kidding. It was worth it for me. It's a wonderful thing to be married. I wouldn't have it any other way. But let's be honest. Marriage does include, as one of the things about it, that there is trouble. If you are having trouble being single, singles, if you're having trouble being content with your singleness, you need to believe us married folk when we say you will have trouble in marriage. Singles, there's an inventory here. There's a freedom in troubling times that you enjoy. There's a freedom from trouble, the married kind, that you avoid right now. And number three, there's a freedom to redeem the time. Look at verse 29. It says, Paul says, But this I say, brethren, the time is short, so that from now on even those who have wives should be as though they had none. Those who weep as though they did not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they did not possess. And those who use this world as not misusing it. For the form of this world is passing away. This is another section that we'll come back to to dig in a little bit more on Sunday. It speaks to all of us. But for the singles, since we're focusing on the singles tonight, there's another thing to be thankful here in your inventory. Freedom to redeem the time. Paul says here, look, the time is short. The time is passing away. Whether Jesus comes to meet us tonight or we go to meet him, I don't know about you, but I really am reminded that time is flying by. The older I get, the faster it goes. Jesus said, the night is coming when no man can work. That means you only have an allotted amount of time. Time is short, verse 29 says. And verse 31, he says, this, the form of this world is passing away. Singles. In general, you have more time to invest in the eternal than someone with a family does. And this is a great rule about investing. If you're going to invest, invest early, invest often, and you will receive more rewards. When you are investing in the kingdom... When you are investing in things eternal, this is a wonderful advantage of singleness. Now, that's not to say that when you're married, you don't have time or that you shouldn't give time. But I got to thinking, this is a little personal, maybe house cleaning thing that maybe we should talk about. We have guys in our church right now that are on the edge of doing too much. They're on the edge, I think, of burnout. They lead the church. They pray for the church. They set up the church on Saturdays. They tear down on Sundays. And they have to balance all of that with their families so that they make sure they don't cheat their wives or make their kids bitter at the church. And there are some singles that I'm so thankful, many singles, I think, in, in proportion of how many we have, who are pitching in, who are finding ways to serve. But I sure hope there are no singles sitting around feeling sorry for themselves when they have the most precious commodity available for service, which is time. Let me say it a different way. Singles, time is short. The world is passing away. Time is rare. It is so rare. It's in short supply. And you have some of it. 
You have time. Paul would say, I would say, we all would say, redeem it. Redeem it for Jesus' sake, for the kingdom's sake. Redeem the time that you've been given. It's the best investment you'll ever make, and you won't regret one minute of it. So inventory for the single. You have freedom in troubling times. You have freedom from trouble, the married kind. You have freedom to redeem the time. And this next one is closely related. That is, you have the freedom of single-mindedness. Look at verse 32. He says, but I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. There's a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares about the things cares about the things of the Lord that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper, and that you may serve the Lord without distraction. It's important to to remember every time Paul kind of makes an assertion he, he says, look, I'm not trying to put you under bondage. He says, I'm not trying to put a leash on you at the end of these verses. He says, but here's something else to consider when you're taking inventory, when you are counting your blessings instead of your deficits. Here's something else to consider. When you are single, you can have a single mind for Christ. Look at verse 32 again. But I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. He who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. And it works vice versa. What he's saying is, look, the whole time thing, the whole commitment thing is different when you're married versus when you're single. I can tell you this is played out every week in my home. This is played out every week in the homes of the leaders in the church. The, the balance, Lord, I, I want to serve you. I want to serve the church, but you've, you've given me a wonderful gift of a family, and I don't want to neglect them. For instance, it would be awesome if the worship team, which I'm a part of, could have rehearsal more often. But we don't. We don't have rehearsal that often because I'm doing a lot of things for one and I know some of these other people are as well I haven't been with my family enough most weeks I don't want my kids to grow up and resent the church I don't want my wife to think that the church is more important than she is when you're married some things have to give you can't possibly do it all And it should be that way. That's the way the Lord wants it, is that you can't possibly do it all. You need to decide, and and most of the time, I don't know if that's right to say, but some of the time you need to decide that your your family is taken care of here. Paul is not saying, well, let me remind you again, he's not saying it's bad to be married. He's taking inventory on behalf of the singles. He's counting the blessings of the singles. He's saying, look, the the grass looks greener over there. I know, he's like, I know, the grass looks greener over there, but look at the grass under your own feet. For instance, if you're single, you can go on a mission trip tomorrow if it presents itself. I personally, I would love to go, I would love it this year to go to Israel. I'd love to go on a mission trip. I would love to 
we might be able to pull one of those off, maybe, and not destroy the family, you know? But I'm pretty certain that we won't be able to pull off both. I've actually had this discussion with somebody in our church who loves his family and loves the church just today. He said, can I get some counsel here? There's the mission trip I'd like to do. I've got this unsaved uh, family, this unsaved uh, friend who I think I really needs me to be there at his wedding. And I don't want to neglect my family. What do I do? That's exactly what a family man, a family person needs to come to grips with. We have to make choices and we have to do right by our family. If you're single, you don't have that dilemma. You have the freedom to be single-minded for God. There's a lot of blessings. There's a lot to count as blessings as a single. The next section now was written to either singles or the fathers of single daughters. We're going to look at this. Look at verse 36. It's kind of hard to know. Um, Verse 36 says, But if any man thinks he is behaving improperly toward his virgin, if she is past the flower of youth, and thus it must be, let him do what he wishes. He does not sin. Let them marry. Nevertheless, he who stands steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but has power over his own will, and has so determined in his heart that he will keep his virgin, does well. So then he who gives her in marriage does well, but he who does not give her in marriage does better. Is Paul talking here to a single man with his uh, betrothed? Or is he talking about a father with his daughter? I, I don't really know if there's any way to know because some of the, the way the phrases go, it looks like it could be one way. And then you, you go down a couple more phrases and it's like, wait a second. Now it looks like he's talking to somebody else. Um, my personal opinion is I think he's probably talking to fathers. Remember back then, fathers decided who their daughters would marry. They were arranged marriages. Today, it doesn't happen that way. But how many fathers would like to reopen that for discussion? (laughs) Paul is speaking about the present distress. And in whatever case, if he's talking about fathers or or, uh, betrothed people, he says, look, either way is fine. He says, but if purity can be maintained, singleness is is better because of the present distress. He says, if not, there's no sin, though, in giving uh, your daughter in marriage or getting married, for that matter. There's no sin there. Um, He says the same applies now to a widowed wife. They have liberty to be married. Look at verse 39. This is about widows. Paul says, look, a wife is bound by law as long as her husband lives. But if her husband dies, she is at liberty to be married to whom she wishes, wishes only in the Lord. In other words, only a Christian. But she is happier if she remains as she is, according to my judgment. And I think I also have the Spirit of God. That's a little bit of an understatement there. He's like, you know what? I think I kind of might know what I'm talking about here. He says, look, in, if you're widowed, if your husband or wife has died has passed on you are free to remarry but he says make sure that it's only in the lord i mean that that goes without saying it should right to be not unequally yoked only marry a believer and paul says personally i think she'll be happier this widow who had a question maybe and was presented uh, to paul personally i think she'll be happier if happier if she blooms where she's planted he says and i Think I also have the Spirit of God. Again, it's an understatement. He's like, I didn't just fall off the turnip truck yesterday. 
I think that this is a good judgment. But he does say, look, it's not a sin. She can be married. That's no problem. It's not a sin. Which speaks of, by the way, singles. Speaks of the last freedom of singleness. The last blessing that you can count. Let me review for you. The freedom, singles have the freedom in troubled times. Singles have freedom from trouble, the married kind. Freedoms, singles have freedom to redeem the time. Singles have the freedom of single-mindedness. And the last one is this. Freedoms have the, sing, the, the chance to change your mind. You have the freedom to change your mind when you're single. You can say, you know what? I didn't think I wanted to be married. But now I do. Now I want to be married. Look, look at all these verses. Look at verse 28. Verse 28 says, but even if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Look at verse 35. And this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you. He says, it's your own choice. Verse 36. But if any man thinks he is behaving improperly toward his virgin, if she has passed the flower of her youth, and thus it must be, let him do what he wishes. He does not sin. Let them marry. Verse 39. A wife is bound by law as long as her husband lives, but if her husband dies, she is at liberty to be married. The point is this. When you're single, you can always change your mind and get married. But when you're married, you can't just change your mind and become single. Those are some of the advantages, some of the wonderful blessings that you can count as a single person. Now, let's look at one last time, review how to be content in general. We're going to, again, dig deeper in this on Sunday. But the first one is this. Don't compare yourself with others but commune with God. I guarantee you, if you compare yourself with others, for instance, in the married singles thing, if, you, if you're single and you look at married people and you're like, man, they got it all. They've got no troubles. They're, they're not lonely like I am. If you're thinking that way, then you will not be content. You cannot be content. Vice versa, if you're married and you're thinking, man, I just really wish it. I, I remember those days when I was single, I could do what I wanted, all those things. You're not going to be content. If you're comparing yourself with others, with their situations, you'll never be content. Paul says, don't compare yourself with others, but commune with God. Spend your time talking, walking, obeying God. We'll talk more about that on Sunday. Here's another one again. Don't concede to outward circumstance. Don't say, well, I'd just be happy if this was different or that was different. Don't concede to outward circumstance, but concentrate on the inner freedom that God has given you. We'll talk more about that on Sunday. And lastly, this is what we've really covered tonight. Don't count your deficits. Count your blessings. No matter what state you find yourself in tonight, there are blessings to be counted. Don't spend time counting your deficits. Saying, I wish this was different or that was different. Or I, I wish I had more of this or less of this. No, count your blessings. Take inventory, not of what you want, but of what you already have been given. And if you're a Christian, you've been given much.